We need to do an event on the. We need to do an <laughs> Don't event. Don't put that on the there. Hey, we need to do an event on like our side of town, on the north side, like yeah. Hamilton County. Yeah, what do you want to do? For real though, I, dude, we could get people to show up. I know anything. Just open up the bourbon collections, and honestly, it's a good way to get rid of the shit that I don't like to drink. Diane has offered to have something at our house, but not for like two. <laughs> <laughs> No, but she was like, would you like to have something at our house? I'm like, yeah, but I don't think you're you... like, like a Super Bowl party <laughs> or a, an event. Well, she didn't let that. No, she, she did not. Oh, like, she, you guys she, didn't have last year we did. And she was like, no, we had a baby this year. We're not having a Super Bowl party. Sure, sure. It went, it went late this year. Yeah. She would not have been happy. She was in bed by nine o'clock. She took a oh. bath. She took a bubble bath and went to bed. Did you watch the game? Fuck yeah. San Fran. It was a terrible. No, well, I'm from SoCal. I'm from SoCal. I know, but yeah, no, I never adopted them. Okay, Colts. Yeah, it it hurts to be a Colts fan. I decided. So, dude, growing up in LA, what team do you like? The Rams in LA. The Rams came back like a minute ago. Choose whatever you want. Before before that, yeah, you're choosing. Oh, dude, I wasn't gonna be a Raiders fan. Like, hey, he's a Raiders. Why? I've always been a Raiders fan because my dad. I'm a I'm a California fan. So are you a Lakers fan too? Yep. Okay. Nice. USC is my number two. Behind? Ohio State. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Fine. As long as you didn't say you see My only Midwest teams are Ohio State football and Cubs. You haven't adopted the Colts. You've been here for how long? I'm not a Colts fan at all. Like not even a little bit. Is it an Ursay thing? I don't that guy's an idiot, but I don't um He's gonna cut that. He almost killed himself. Did he really? December. He Just a little bit ago. His... Shit. I don't think he's an idiot in that sense, but I think he just makes dumb decisions. But I don't have, like, I don't root against the Colts. I don't root for them. It's, they're just a team to me. Okay. So are the Pacers. Oh, well, the Pacers, are they even a real team? Yeah, they're actually. Actually, this year they are. Yeah. But my Lakers took them down in the finals, so. The end season tournament. Oh, but yeah. Tournament? It's our Lakers. It's not your. Yeah, it's yeah, our yeah, ours. So, like, that's my team growing up. I used to go. Um, my dad's company had a box, like, right at half court back in the day when uh, uh, when Kobe and Shaq were there. And, so, you know, I was, like, a 10, 11-year-old kid. I had no idea how cool that was. Like, I got to go to, like, two games a year. Dude, those were, that was the best time to go. Oh, my God. It yeah. was freaking awesome. I became the biggest fan and have never been in a Staples box Staples Center was, like, freaking amazing oh, at yeah. that time. Yeah. It's still Staples Center. I'm not willing to go with, like, well, crypto dude, the or Clippers whatever. Well, dude, are about to take over for, like, the arena now because they're redoing the forum. Oh, are they? Yeah, and it's going to be – it's stupid. It looks like a spaceship. It's like take the Raiders Stadium and put it in L.A. or Inglewood. Yeah. And put a basement in there. It's yeah. a club, and then there's a basketball court on the outside, and it's it's nuts. I do not understand why anybody would spend money on the Clippers. I know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how good they are. It's still, in they're LA, always going to be cares. number two. Yeah, always. <laughs> Honestly, they're kind of number three behind like USC football. You mean the money <laughs> yeah, care about exactly. sports in California? 
No, nobody cares out there. Like, except for the Lakers, nobody cares. The fans kind of suck out there. The they do-, do. People probably care about the Dodgers. No. Really? No, nobody cares. Somewhat. I mean, I, I will say that they, I think they had the best attendance last year for, well, for the sure. Dodgers did. But that's just because people in LA need something to do they, every night. It's a business. It's a ta- it's a tax. It, there's a certain demographic in in LA that goes to Dodgers games, and it's not people who are there legally. <laughs> so, so are the Angels a better crowd? No. Oh no. Are we, are we getting worse? Oh my god. So. The Angels are like I know everyone thinks about them like they're LA. They're actually Orange County, which is like right, I know the bougiest yeah. little area in California. Like it's where my wife grew up, and we moved there for a little bit. And yeah, no, nobody cares about anything there. Like they're everyone's in their own world. Sports is no. terrible. Sports, yeah. You can blame them. Like they got better stuff, more fun stuff. The weather's good all year round. Yeah. Well, Vegas is about to be the next sports zone because oh they're going to get, they're going to, they're probably, they're probably going to get baseball, right? Yeah. All right. They're going to get you basketball. you hear what the mayor said though? The mayor doesn't think that they would do well. They've already agreed. I know, but the mayor of Las Vegas was like, they need to stay in Oakland. They've Which already, I thought, I, I found really weird. But then now Adam Silver said that the NBA wants a team there. Mm-hmm. I think they're probably going to give LeBron ownership interest to do that shit. They just got hockey. I mean, they're basketball. For sure. Going to be the other. Are they going to move somebody there? Or are they going for... For basketball? Yeah, are they going to... So they're, they're going to have to add another team. They're expanding. Where would be the other one? It's market? their way to bring Bronny James in. They've got... Dude, Bronny James can't go through a college game before he has a heart attack. <laughs> Looking at four or five from places right now apparently las vegas is um their market or whatever is like 44 not that big i don't like is it it's apparently his adam silver's words were punch way above their weight well people travel like people want to go to vegas they're going to circle that on their calendar easy because it's like hey people will travel for a one day game like once a week once the schedule comes out they're going to circle it and plan their trip around but then basketball, you might have three Nobody's games. Nobody's gonna in a fly week there, there for a Tuesday, like no, right? Like, so yeah, the, the local crowd's gonna have to fill the weekday. But I mean, hockey does well. Hockey does really because hockey's awesome. Yeah. Also, small stadiums. Yeah, I mean it's the same basketball. Right? It's like fourteen thousand, fifteen thousand or so. I mean, most places, hockey and, well, not most, I should say, a lot of places, hockey and basketball. That's what Staples refusing. Crypto is not a thing. The crypt? Can we just call it the crypt? Is that what they call it? Just, no. That's the slang term for crypt, crypto. Right? The crypt? The crypt. Hanging out the crypt. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. All right, Nick, I'm going to let you host this one. I'm going to talk to him. Damn it. <laughs> You're going to save your voice. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Indie Investor Speakeasy. We're excited to uh, to bring you guys here today. Here, yeah, actually, cheers. We got to uh, start this thing off right. Maybe cheers, we'll uh, get this one. Yeah. Maybe we'll actually record this one. Make Not sure totally. that we've got the video and the audio. If you both. can hear this episode, then yeah. we did our job. Yeah. Bark uh, twice if you're in Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, 
man i i <laughs> saw some of the uh the, the funniest little uh things on youtube recently i'm gonna have to add those to our, our like like and subscribe in the <laughs> future but um today i think we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that we uh we love and that we hate about real estate investing and the different roles and the different hats that we've got here within the uh the indianapolis market uh we are are leaning into the valentine's theme uh recording this the day after valentine's day so um i think we've got a, a couple of different hats to talk about we've got a uh, wholesaler we've got realtor we've got uh, contractor um you know flippers and uh, on top of that we've got uh property owners ourselves uh and i think we've got some stuff to talk about so i'm gonna kick it off with randy here what are some of the, the things you love and hate in, in your current uh hat you, wholesaler realtor talk about what you want to yeah so um i'm gonna keep this very fairly brief because this could be an hour just of me rambling on on more of the hate than love but <laughs> um i'm gonna i'm gonna start out with the wholesaler space so um I think I'll start from the top. I think the thing that I hate, I'm using that word because that's the theme I hate the most is when people back out on their word. Gosh. So if anyone's listening that doesn't really know what a wholesaler deal is, um, obviously you're, you're trying to sell a house, but you're selling a house that you have a contract on. And the only way you're going to get paid is if you find a buyer to close on it. You could find a buyer and that buyer maybe two, three days before closing will back out for no reason. They kind of ghost you. Ghosting in my book is like the number one thing that grinds my gears. So weren't we uh, just talking about you ignoring people on text? That was offline, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> You'd never bring that up again. No, but uh, yeah, it's similar to that, right? Um, you think you have everything going um, and then last second, the plug gets pulled. It puts you in a, in a weird situation. So um, I would say on the wholesaler side, that's probably the, the top one, um, kind of on that is also, um, working with sellers sometimes is when they don't really, they, they tell you they want to sell their house, but deep down, they don't want to sell their house. Mm. You kind of tell them everything they want to hear. Everything kind of looks great on paper and it comes to sign the contract, right? They're not ready to move forward. Yeah. Or you just get all of them. Or you can't get a hold of them. Or they tell you one week and that one week turns into one month. And then a month later, it turns into, hey, I need two more months. And then you just never get that. You just never get that deal on paper. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's. Uh, After you've invested all that time getting to know them, understanding their problems, that's well, got to be painful. But the thing is, though, is it, we, we ask them, hey, what do you want out of this? And we can deliver on every single thing that they said they wanted. And when you present it to them, I'm not ready. <laughs> it's one of those things like like buyers or sellers. I'd rather you just be, instead of like telling me what you think that we want to hear, like maybe it's a, like, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Like yeah. just the yes man and want to leave. Yeah. I'd rather you just say no. Like, and then we move on. And then it's done. And that's part of the conversation. would be so much easier for everyone. That's part of the conversation that I've said sometimes. I don't, I don't use it all the time, but you know, if I'm talking to a seller and I think that there's, there is a deal there for myself, for them, it's a win-win situation. I could ask them the question, Hey, if at the end of this conversation, if we could agree to everything, you know, if you're ready to sign, are you going to say yes? Or if I need more time, and if you say you need more time, I'm going to take that as a no. I is that, that fair? And they're going to say, yeah, that's fair. But then we get to that point and then it's a, I need to think about it. So it's a no based on our agreement. But then they say, 
I just give me call me back in a month. And then they get strung out. So there's a lot of different ways you can kind of go around that. But um, I would say really just the transparency on the seller side and the ghosting of the buyers are probably my top two things that drive me nuts yeah. because I'm, I'm a very straightforward person. I'm transparent. I just expect that in return. And, you know, that would be my thing for wholesale. So what about you? Wait, hold on. We got to hear about the things you like. You're not allowed to just. Well, he's going to go first oh, okay. and then All I'll right. go what All I right. like. All right. Yeah. I think that's that's definitely one well one like i said I'd, I'd rather just instead of wasting more of our time you saying like um yeah that makes sense and like probably two deals we have right now that are verbally have accepted verbal and we're ready to get like seems like parties are ready to go but then in two weeks now we don't have these officially signed i'd rather you just say like hey i'm not ready to sell <laughs> Or on the flip side, if a buyer's like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, all the numbers make sense. Everything looks like it's And then we just can't hold of them. Yeah. I'd rather you just say, like, doesn't make sense. Cool. Like, it doesn't, it's not going to make sense for everybody. Or you're not going to be ready. Or to your credit, like, maybe, like, three months down the line, I'll feel a little bit better about follow up in, like, three months. Like, yeah. let's not play the cat and mouse game here for yeah. a while. I'd rather you just be up front. When it, I think what that comes down to, and let me know if you guys disagree, is that there's a disconnect between um, what the the actual terms are that they're negotiating and the unstated terms that are sitting in their, their heart and their head somewhere that they they might not even be conscious of when they're negotiating. Yeah. But there are certain strings that are being uh, tugged at that, that aren't being talked about. I agree. I, I think there's something there to where, like, do they want to sell in the back of their head? Yes, but there's something holding them. Yeah. But I'd rather them say, like, um, they don't know that. Yeah. In my experience, you always have to have, you have to have the upper hand. You have to control not just the conversation, but how the way things go. Because a lot of people that you talk to in wholesaling, seller-wise, like those people are in a a situation that's not ideal, most of the time because of their actions. So if they're not willing to sign a contract up front or just to get things going, it's probably because they're just procrastinators in general, which got them into the position that they're in. So like the best people that I know that, you know, do this, um, do the wholesaling business is like actually getting on the phone and running through a contract over the phone with the seller. Mm -hmm. So it's like everything is black and white. We agree. It's all there. There's no hidden like. So a lot of these people think it's just kind of too good to be true. Like, you're just going to buy my house as is. No inspections. Like, I've heard that before. Um, but if they see something in front of them and you're on the phone walking step by step every line item, this is what's going to happen. They're more likely to move forward. So that that's like an advanced level of having a phone conversation with the seller. But it takes a lot just to even get to that step. All right. So what are the things you love? I would say um, I think the best part about wholesaling is really just the fact that we're able to help someone out of a really crappy situation where they think when we first call them, they think that there's no hope, right? Like there's nothing that we can do that's going to help their current situation because they're a little, I mean, they don't know about how like the way real estate works, how creative you can be, um, the terms of everything. So they kind of think they're stuck in a box that they can't get out of. But as soon as like they're open to having a conversation with us, we can show them different avenues we can take. 
how we can probably get them the money that they they need to solve whatever problem that they have. And when they finally close and they get that money at closing, you could hear the relief in their voice. Yeah. Like, oh my God, Randy, thank you so much for helping me doing this. Like, load off my bag, helped our family out. I mean, those are the best reviews that we get are when people are just like so grateful that they're in a, they're in a situation they didn't think they can get out of. And like literally a couple of weeks later, it's all gone because of just a simple phone call and an offer that actually went through. Like that's my, my, my favorite part is just showing up and, and doing what I said I was going to do. And there's times where like, not only that, situations where we build a relationship with somebody and we don't do a deal with them. Yeah. But we come out and say like, here's what we can offer you. Why? And you know, a lot of times we know kind of how much we probably owe on a property. We know the deal's probably not going to work for them or they're going to lose money. In the deal. But we'll explain why. They're like, oh, that makes sense. And now they kind of know where they're at, where they stand in terms of like, okay, do I need to fix this up myself or something like that? Or yeah. do I just fight the bullet and take the loss? To, some, to us or somebody else. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, get ready. I'm going to circle back to you guys to talk a little bit about the agent side because obviously that's a little bit different than the wholesaler. Yeah. You probably get to, to work more with the buyer in, in a lot of those situations. But I'll talk a little bit about construction and okay. uh, the contractor side. Following your lead here, Randy, I'll, uh, I'll start with the things that are painful for me. Ghosting. Oh, my God. Ghosting. Uh, like you get you, you go through, you set, spend the time to get out to a property. You walk it. You put together an estimate, which, you know, this is hours and hours of work. And to have them just like stop talking to you is one of the most painful things. At least give feedback. Like that's obviously painful. Um, like, hey, it's more than you thought. Great. Like, sorry. Like, unfortunately, they're. There are realities when it comes to, to these things. That's always a painful one. The other, um, there are a couple of things that are, are particularly tough. Um, one of them is, gosh, when, um, when somebody comes in with unrealistic expectations, uh, they haven't been, they've been level set from the beginning. We try and do that with a lot of people, but hey, you know, somebody is expecting it to be a $20,000 project, but there's now been two wiring and the plumbing's bad. Uh, and this is going to be a, a $60,000 project to, to really do what they want to do with the house. That's always a painful conversation to have, um, you know, to, to really tell them, hey, this is this is what it looks like. And then the last thing uh, that I'll say is, is is particularly painful is when somebody's comparing uh, what they think are apples to apples, but they're not necessarily apples to apples. They, they show, you know, a, a scope of work and they compare it to ours. What they not, might not be aware of is the quality of the work that's going to go into that. Like, a square foot of flooring is not a square foot of flooring uh, when it's laid. I, I think all of us have probably walked on some some spongy floors over sure. the last couple of years, sure. some some floors that haven't been laid properly. Um, you know, it, understanding that, um, you know, working with a higher quality GC, that GC is going to be around in a year to, to warranty the work. Um, understanding that, hey, like the guy who, who you might be hiring that's doing it for cheaper might not be licensed, might not be bonded. And could walk away with your money. So uh, those are some of the things that are, are particularly painful, actually. And I'll, I'll just say the, the last thing. We we obviously don't do this ourselves, but um, we regularly deal with um, with people who have been screwed over by bad contractors. And what I know after years of, of doing this is if a contractor walks away with your money, you're probably not going to get it. 
Yeah. Um, like you could sue. And that's crazy to think about because it happens so much. Oh my God. All the time. That you would think by now, like there was uh, some way to, to recoup that money. But yeah. Like, why is it so hard? Uh, it's even if you're licensed and bought, it's, it's still. Oh yeah. It doesn't matter. The process is still just going to take forever. Yeah. So, so the reason it, the, the wheel of justice are really slow and the reason most of these contractors go bad is because they are bad at managing money. Like that, that's fundamentally what separates the really good contractors from the bad ones is one communication, but also being able to track your freaking books. Um, like, hell, that was the conversation I was on. I was on with my accountant, like trying to get advice on QuickBooks because things weren't lining up properly. That's not, those aren't the conversations that a lot of these handymen contractors have. And yeah. so I actually don't think most of these contractors that steal your money are intentionally bad people. I think it's people that get in over their head, get overextended, begin having to borrow from one project to finish the next. Very, very common. Yeah. And once that happens, it's going to take years for you to even get a judgment, let alone like try to recoup that money. Like yeah. it's probably not going to happen. So those are the things that are the most painful. Like the opposite side of that are is when we get to deliver an awesome product for somebody that, hey, it's a flip that ends up doing really, really well for somebody. Hey, it's it's a, a burr that that ends up being, uh, you know, way more profitable than somebody expected. And then we get to deliver something where we're, we're delivering an incredible home for somebody. To live in. That's we feel within our own team an obligation, not just to whoever's hiring us, but to whoever's going to live in that home after the fact to deliver an amazing product. Um, you know, obviously there are budgets to, to consider, but we want to deliver the best darn product we can. And when we see somebody move into those homes, we think that's that's just about the coolest thing. Um, and so, so I would say that's, that's the, the highlight is getting to take those photos that the Instagram worthy photos, the before yeah. and after photos, yeah. I think is the, the coolest part. And, um, and something I'm probably bad at. I'm one of those people that, uh, that kind of moves from one project to the next. I don't actually take that moment to celebrate. Right. But, um, when I do, uh, I think it's, it's particularly, uh, particularly rewarding. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. All right. So now I've given you guys time to, uh, to think about it. Let's talk about the agent side. What are the uh, the parts of the job that are uh, are exciting from that side? Pause. As Randy walks away. Pause. Come on, Randy. Change the sleep setting on there or something. It should come back on. We'll work in the dark. So the agent side talking about retail or are we talking about i don't know you guys are the agents i don't know anything about this stuff it's an open conversation um let me start with like the retail side um i i guess it can go for either retail or if you're an agent working with an investor um one of the big things that agents want to basically have comfort in is that if you come to me to buy a house I'm kind of counting on you to buy a house because I'm counting on the commission yeah. to pay my bills, to take care of my family. Um, the biggest thing that probably would bother most agents is when, um, I, and I see this a lot with actually investors more than people looking to buy their primary home, is maybe looking at 50 homes before they actually purchase one. Oh my God. Because that takes... I mean, as a real estate agent, you're working you're working for free until your client buys something. You're pure commission. Well, you're actually yeah. uh -huh. after oh, you're, you're negative expenses, all that stuff. Um, so when they finally, if if it's fifty homes, by the time they buy a home, it's basically Gas. a wash. 
Um, Just for a moment, like let's talk about the kinds of things that a retail customer is looking at. It's not like um, what many of our investors look at. Like right. if the numbers make sense, investors will buy it, assuming that they actually have the financial capacity to do so. Like my wife, when we were buying our forever home, quote unquote forever home, um, <laughs> is you know, we found the perfect house. Everything was great about this house, except for one thing. Dude, I run a construction company. I've flipped literally like a hundred homes by this point in time. Yeah. And she almost didn't buy the house because it had a double uh, basin sink instead of a nice big open farmhouse. Like that, the kinds of ridiculous decisions that are made by the retail buyer, especially if they don't have the capacity to make those corrections, must be infuriating. Oh, absolutely, man. Um, or they just don't know. You're kind of convincing. You have to convince two people there. Yeah. And hopefully one can be like the voice of reason. Well, really, I guess you're, you're convincing the white. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> First time home buyers, there's a lot of stuff there to through where they just don't know. Yeah. They don't run a construction company. So it's, yeah. it's little things. Oh my God. Well, and I think you, you just touched on another thing. I'm sure even if they make the offer on the 50th house, that inspection report has got to be a real fun conversation. So that's the funny thing. There's like an inside joke, like within like the agent world that after the, if, if you're working with the first time home buyer, the hardest part isn't convincing the buyers to buy the house it's the buyer's dad oh yeah because <laughs> it's after that a home inspection comes the buyer's dad turns into a contractor right immediately this should be done like this well that should be done like this so that's not right where it's they're pointing out in their mind are major defects it's just a general maintenance issue right but as a first-time home buyer their father hearing them tell them that could kill a deal oh yeah so yeah, it's it's always it's just kind of an ongoing inside joke. Like the number one thing that killed a deal is a buyer's dad. <laughs> I hadn't heard <laughs> there that. multiple spheres of influence. Yeah, and when they like to show up for the inspection, or the dad, or the brother who does yeah something on the side, or the uncle, or whatever. Yeah, um, and then on the 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 investor side, as far as like working with a real estate agent, um, I think it's just not having your ducks in a row. It would drive drive them most most nuts. Is Hey, like if you're ready to move forward, even if when you sign a purchase agreement, um, you should be ready to have everything in line as far as who we're using for an inspection. You know, are you, if you're using financing, like get your docs to your lender, because some people will just sign a contract and then say, okay, let me go find a lender. Like, I know I'm going to use hard money, but I don't know who yet. It's going to be between these three. Like, no, don't do that. Have your hard money lender ready to go. Have that pre-qual or pre, pre-approval. And then once you sign a, a contract on a house, then just go with them. Don't try to shop it around. It's going to string it out and it's going to cause more issues. It's going to run out of timelines. Um, but yeah. they might get that extra half a point. <laughs> or you might not get the house. Yeah. Because <laughs> you waited too long yeah. to figure this out. Um, so do you have anything to add to the thing? Anything that an agent probably... No, I mean, we realize Randy and I both are not fans of the retail side of uh, which, we're, is, we're both, which is why we're doing what we're doing. We're both uh, licensed real estate agents. But, um, we're really not doing much on the retail side unless we're doing it for friends or family. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and now the things that are like I personally love about the retail side of things or just being an agent in general is just being able to help almost anybody in any real estate situation. I mean, I don't, I don't dabble in commercial or anything like that, but I'm able to 
either give advice or represent someone who's looking to buy an investment property, a house for themselves, a second home, vacation home, whatever it is, um, and use my expertise and um, they can use my guidance to see if it's a good investment or not. Um, that's very rewarding. Um, another part is just doing a good enough job for someone that they start recommending you and referring you. And uh, that is just a testament to just doing what you said you're going to do. Um, but other than that, like, I don't try, I, I don't live in the retail world as, as much as 98% of the, uh, any other agent out there. Like, yeah. I kind of just, like Brooke said, I work with friends and family. Um, I'll give advice to someone who's thinking about selling or buying. Um, I won't raise my hand to represent them because that's not my full-time job anymore. It's just more of, Hey, this is what I can offer you. Here's my recommendation, whatever it is, but I'm not trying to find more business like that. Sure. Um, but it's a very rewarding career. Um, and a lot of good can happen from it. A lot of satisfaction. You can help a lot of people. Um, but I think it, it, it takes a really good person to do that. Someone with a lot of patience. I, I kind of, I kind of agree with you. Like I, I, in a sense, I compare retail agent. You're almost in the hospitality business a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, there's a lot of hand-holding at times. Things can get emotional. Um, there's a lot of talking people down or trying to explain stuff to people and talk them off a ledge. So you're trying to please people a little bit, which gets agents in trouble sometimes because, again, they try to say a lot of things to keep people happy, they, what they want to hear, rather than when you look at something, being a little bit more objective about it and be like, yeah, maybe this is a great house for you because of this x y and z a little bit of motivation behind you to make that commission on the yeah which is why i like friends or family i actually i don't care about the commission i want to get right. them into house. exactly uh whereas if i were if that was your sole job like if that was my you soul obviously hard. need to make money right so you're going to try to help as many people so there's going to be a little bias there on your end yeah i feel like inherently yeah you can say no but in like internally there's got to be at some point yeah right so any good agent will be honest but in the back of their head like they're always thinking i'm losing this deal i'm so I, like i'm not gonna make money like that that's just a natural thought yeah it's not because they're in it for the money they're human but that's how they, they that's how they make a living yeah so yeah it's not like everyone's out there just to make a check because there's great agents who don't do that and i just think in here i mean not to get too much into psychology i guess right but like inherently like feel like somebody's not the deal isn't going to close it might be affecting your motivation to keep going with this deal or keep fighting for whatever i mean yeah. do you know it or not it might be happening yeah so it's hard to invest it's hard to invest when you don't believe in, in the now when you can't see the promised land right of like hey like i see when they're going to actually close on a home when it's just it's kind of unseen like this could string out for a year kind of push uh, hold them back a little bit like maybe i don't want to work with this person i'll refer it to or maybe i'll else. be more time into other people yeah. instead of this person that i'm representing yeah. yeah all right so close it out with a positive here on on real estate agency um a positive is i guess like i said before like if i'm doing friends or family it's it's really fun getting in getting them into a house that they really like um which i think is the ultimate goal for all agents i think that's the satisfaction for everybody but um the time effort emotion and stuff that goes into 
I feel like I only have enough of that for friends and family. I don't have yeah. enough of that for every. It is really rewarding when you get the, get the closing, they get in the house, and they're like, when that becomes this, this home. is now home. Yeah, the house converts to a home. I love yeah. that. All right, well, then we're going to close out here. All of us here are investors. We all have rental properties. So I'm going to limit you to one, maybe one and a half pro and, and con. So I'll start with you, Randy. Here, I'll go last year on the group. So I'll, I'll have the most difficult one, I'm sure. But uh, are you willing to, to talk a little bit about the thing you love and hate about being a real estate investor? Obviously, the love. Um, so my my extent is just buying rentals and, and owning rentals. So um, is just finally getting to that point. And the time I bought them, like you can actually cash flow. Yeah. But just having that cash flow, right? Because everyone gets wants to get into investing for passive income um, and be able to do that and see it. Um, that's obviously the pro. So that's my pro. Um, the con is when you do get into that space, it's passive income, but it's not passive. It isn't. Can you it, describe that a little bit? Yes. I agree and this 100%. Is, and it, it's leading into my con. Okay. Is um, I... I had a property manager like handling handling a rental that the tenant was like late a couple of days on rent and then the next month she would pay on time and the next month was like a whole month late. So they would always contact me, hey, what do you want to do here? We could file an eviction. Like, what do you want to do? Oh, she's got a kid. I don't, I'm a nice person. I'm like, have her catch up and it's fine. So anyway it got strung out a little too long where I'm like, Hey, file an eviction. Well, then she pays all everything up front. She like covers, covers everything, the back pay, all that stuff. So she's just current. Don't do the eviction. Let her, let her stay for another year. Renew the lease. And I did that like three times until finally, like she was like three months late. I'm like, okay, I cannot do that. Go through the eviction. But all that was just like stress on me because I'm, I, I, and like I said, this is my personality. Like, I don't want to put anyone in a bad spot, especially like if they're, you know, this person was a single mother and I don't want to have them searching for a home because they don't have a place to live because I evicted them. Yeah. Um, eventually everything got worked out. It was fine. They moved on their own terms. I got, you know, we got the back rent that was owed, but it was not passive. I was in, in and out of that stuff. And uh, they're sending me like court documents just to make sure like everything's documented. and. Um, I would say that it's a con of owning rentals, but more of a misconception of that. Hey, it's all hands off. You're just collecting rent checks and everything is like butterflies and rainbows. It's not the case. So. Yeah. I just want to like piggyback on that. Yeah. There, there's no such thing as a passive real estate investor for, for the most part. Uh, if you've got a property manager, you still need to manage your manager. Unfortunately, yeah. you got to manage your tenants. Yeah. And so, um, even if you've got a great property manager, which there are plenty of bad ones out there, someday, someday over a bourbon, we'll talk about bad property management stories. Um, or an episode. Yeah, that might be a whole episode on my my history. But um, with that in mind, uh, you have to you have to manage these things, and so there's no free lunch. So you don't get these outsized returns by not putting in the hard decisions, by not managing your property manager. So totally agree. Yeah, and I felt saying. like in that situation, I had a great property manager, but it was the fact that I'm getting phone calls at 6 p.m. after a long day. Maybe some days weren't the best day. So like, I don't want to take that kind of phone call, but I have to because I, <laughs> they need they need my 
answer for them to move either move forward or not. And I'm just you know like, that phone call coming. Whenever you get a call from your property manager, it's probably not. It's never good. good. Reason. Oh, it's never good. They're my, always the back. They're not my, calling you for good news. No. <laughs> my joke is that whenever I see my property manager's phone number, I know it's a four-digit problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how we've set it up. We have the same property manager, but I think we have set it up to where, like, if it's not like, if it's under this amount, don't call me. Just take care. Yeah. So. A hundred percent. All right, pressure's on now. He's taking uh, one pro, one con. My pro would be, I guess, if you didn't listen to, to one of the episodes that I was on, I, I used to be a police officer. So my pro is that I, I get to schedule my life around my son and be around him or at any of his, whatever his events are going to be, the most important events, his doctor's sporting, first sporting event, whatever it's going to be. Um, I, I don't have to answer to being somewhere work uh, or anything like that or a w2 to plan my life around that i i say i have all the time in the world you really don't but we can plan around it we can we can figure it out so that would be my biggest pro is that i get to see my son grow up be around my biggest con where to start right um I would say back on you that like everything's not passive. I mean, even if you're doing private money, right? I mean, if you're if you're lending money, you still have to stay on top of the person you're lending the money to. You're, you have a property manager, you have to manage the property manager, and all these things keep coming up or whatever. There's always something that's going wrong. So, is it passive in a sense to where like do you have to be there the entire time on site? No, like there's there's stuff that you have to deal with. There's yeah. always stuff. There's always a stress that has that's going on. Um, it's never all just sunshine and rain at all times. Like you like see, if someone pulls a gun on you, that hey, that, <laughs> oh, that place was tenanted. I was gonna make a joke that that was a wholesale deal, but no, that was definitely a tenanted property. Yeah. Uh, well, they didn't know you were a cop, so <laughs> they didn't know you were the they. Owner. They did it on the wrong person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That could have been on the news. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, for example, I'm working on a, a flip I'm doing right now to check on it, make sure everything's okay. Get there and like the back door is kicked up and the hot water heater and the refrigerator is stolen. Yeah, out. I would say that's one of the worst. Which is fine. Like, like nobody got hurt. It was in there. The damage like isn't that bad, right? Like, I mean, a water heater is probably what, 1100 bucks or so. Refrigerator is not that expensive fix the frame it's not a huge deal but it's just one more thing that like add to your to-do list yeah it's not it's not a like gtv like you think it's gonna be no it's no, not like people it's people not like steal things in vacant homes it's not like the influencer <laughs> who likes to show their check on like how much they make. there's expenses that go into that and i think more these real estate influencers need to show their losses as well because yeah. i mean i just posted one recently okay we probably took a loss on that we were either even or took a loss on it and we put probably three months of work into whatever i think that takes some real courage man. Shit, shit happens like you're gonna you're gonna lose on some deals yeah 100 percent. i i think i think people need to talk about their losses all of us More. like to uh yeah all of us like to talk about our highlight reels and i think everybody here at this couch chair um has has had more wins than losses but like 
I think there's always losses. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And I think the greatest learnings we've had in our careers have probably come from those, those opportunities, those losses oh, yeah. that we've had. So, uh, couldn't agree more. Um, That's why construction. That is why, I, well, it's one of the reasons <laughs> I have a construction company. Um, so there's your, there's your positive and a negative right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'll, I'll take, I'll take the positive. Uh, I work my butt off guys. And I think everybody here does as well. We all work crazy hours. We're all like willing to put the time in. We're all workaholics. Yeah. My God, there's nothing more intoxicating and, and, uh, addicting than getting that passive, like that quote unquote passive income. Right. You get that check that you didn't really work for. Somebody right. just like lived in something that you own. That is is probably the best feeling in the world, especially if you've like done a hundred percent burr or some type of creative finance. Like you figured out some creative. I think the hundred percent burr is the one. I'm like, oh, the hundred percent burr. Yeah. Oh my god. If you that go, feels good. <laughs> you're able to get all your money back out, and then you start getting money for that house. And I just got a free house. <laughs> and they're paying yeah. for it. How cool yeah. is that? Um, there's nothing better than that in the entire world. I it, in, in investing, I don't think it gets better than that. Um, my gosh, I'll, I'll finish off with a couple of cons. Yeah, we can talk about getting getting things stolen from you uh having to evict tenants that oh my god evicting tenants like weighs on my soul I hate in it. a way that like yeah. I, there's a reason why i'm trying to do everything i can to not have under a thousand dollar rentals because i think the eviction rate is higher yeah, in for those. sure for um, sure um it's i my my heart just can't take it anymore um the, the only other thing i'll say the only other negative you know kind of without reiterating what you guys have said is the always having to be on call. You never know when an emergency is going to come up. Um, and so I would say that's the, the other downside of being an investor is uh, it's being an entrepreneur. Um, you know, if you're a W2 employee, you get to clock off at five, you get to clock off at six and be done with your day and not have to look at your email, not have to look at your text messages. When you're an investor, you have a business and you actually have to, to kind of run that on a day-to-day uh, -day basis. So um, you don't get to to completely disconnect from life because there could be emergencies. Hey, your power could get shut off at a house for whatever reason, and you're responsible for that. You own that home, and if people can't flush their toilet, you've got a problem that you need to deal with. So, um, I would say that's kind of the the biggest con, and honestly, one of the uh, the biggest complaints my wife personally has that I can't necessarily turn it off on a regular basis. So, um, it's nice that we don't have to be there all. Like we're never yeah. never have to be there. Yeah. We're always kind of like, oh, are you working? I'm like, I'm always working. Yeah. Always technically working. Yeah. There's a reason this <laughs> Apple Watch is on. It's not for my health. I've always told my wife that. She's like, do you work tomorrow? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. What about what about the weekend? I'm, I'm always working. <laughs> like, There's always work that needs to be done. Yeah. Or yeah. someone's always trying to call me about something. Yeah, I mean, you're going to ignore them. <laughs> <laughs> Only if it's a text message. Yeah. I think what you said about like being people, like I just had the one on. Adam Street, where oh my god, I was dude. taken for a ride on for about six months for taking advantage of like, hey, I at least I I got clear conscience on this. Yeah. You were a good guy. Nice guys always finish last, right? But I mean, that's that's one of the ones where you're just like, there's a new. Everybody has a new story, but I don't know. It's it's hard evicting people. It's uh, yeah. I mean, for your conscience and yeah. your soul. All right. Before we close out here, guys, we've talked about a lot of the, the cons. Would you generally say pros outweigh the cons? I wouldn't do anything else. Yeah. 
I would agree. Yep. Pros outweigh the cons. I think like what everybody says, I wish I would have gotten into real estate way sooner. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I feel like an idiot yeah. not having gotten into it. There's, five, there, yeah. There's just so much information I didn't know. Yeah. You know, I'm still learning a ton like today that we were talking about, like trying to figure stuff out. One of our other properties, there's so many avenues that you can figure out here, guys. All right. So with that in mind, guys, uh, obviously you guys are agents, you guys are wholesalers. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Uh, I'm Randy at brbuysindy.com. Um, I think Brooks, you're Brooks at brbuysindy.com. I'd reach out to Brooks. He's more likely to respond. Uh, dude, <laughs> you're giving me a bad reputation right now. <laughs> oh, man. I just got a tease. Um, and if you guys need anything construction here in Indianapolis, you guys just want to talk about Indianapolis or the wider investing world, more than willing to do that at nick at offleashinvestments.com. Really appreciate it, guys. Cool. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers